As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome the athletic football show today is friday september 2nd i'm robert mays joining me today from espn mina kimes mina how you doing let's ride robert let's ride <laughs> it's a good day to be russell wilson that's where we're gonna start we're gonna preview the afc north today but before we get into the afc north russell wilson gets i don't know the extension you'd expect him to get he's now the second highest paid quarterback in the league he hit all of those benchmarks that you'd probably assume his extension would hit. None of this is surprising. I guess it's just one of those moments where like, man, the Broncos are just all in on Russ. Like yeah. the next four years, Russell Wilson is going to be the quarterback of the Broncos. So this takes him to, well, the, he's 33 now, I believe, right? So yeah. I, yeah, it takes him out further. But in terms of the guarantees, like you said, it is really the next four years. Um, figured this was inevitable when second they did the trade. Um and given that this team has struggled so much at this position, again, it's not surprising at all that they were drawn to the you know a quarterback who's been fairly consistent for his entire career. Aside of last year and a half, it was a bit of ups and downs. Obviously, he was injured. I, I think it's fine. I think he's going to be good. I also am a little bit scared about how his game ages. Do I? I don't want to sound like a salty ex. Do I sound? I think that's a totally reasonable, reasonable. concern. Me reasonable. and Nate talk about that all the time. I, okay. His game is going to age a little bit differently based on the type of player he was at his best. I think that's fair. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is not surprising at all. I'm looking at the cap hits as they move forward. They, they've big. kept them pretty low early on. So it's $22 million next year. So they ha- they'll have plenty of cap space next okay. season to kind of finish building this thing. In 2024, it's 35 Totally reasonable. You yeah. can build a team with a $35 million quarterback if we expect the cap to continue going up. In 2025, he has a $55 million cap hit. Yeah. And then in 2026, it's $58 million. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. I mean, that's what's going to happen now. Yeah. I mean, what, whatever uh, Herbert's contract comes in at, whatever Burroughs' contract comes in at, these numbers are going to get completely out of control. So a $58 million cap hit for a quarterback seems totally outlandish, but that's the world that we're slowly creeping toward here. Yeah, although with those young quarterbacks, you're going to do those deals, and then within a few years, you're going to rip them up and do another deal. With Russell yeah. Wilson, 
you might get into that Matt Ryan land at a certain point with this team. Um, but, you know, again, I don't want to sound negative. Like, I think he's going to be really good for them. I, I, it's not, it's, it makes total sense that they did this. Yeah, it makes total sense, and it makes total sense that they gave him that contract. I don't think there's really a lot to get into. The other bit of news today, Harold Landry from the Titans tears his ACL. Pretty big bummer. He got a huge contract this offseason, which the timing of that makes this a little bit easier for him. But I think it's a pretty big blow to a Titans team that I'm slowly getting more and more down on as I start to think about them more. I just think this is going to be a pretty significant step back for them this season, and this certainly doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, I was more enthusiastic about the Titans' defense than the offense. Um, totally. And this completely changes that because that whole case was predicated on this pass rush that we last saw absolutely, you know, murdering one of the quarterbacks we're about to talk to, to talk about today. Um, a pass rush that I, by the way, I think was going to be better this year because you have Bud Dupree having a healthy offseason. Obviously, Landry was fantastic last year. The interior with Jeffrey Simmons is amazing. Uh, and a very young cornerback room that needed that pass rush to be excellent. Like, I think the Titans cornerbacks could be great, but I wanted the pass rush to be there first, and losing Landry is just brutal for that cause. The Titans defense was one of my favorite units in the league to watch last year. I just think that some of the stuff that they do is really interesting. Talking to multiple defensive coordinators over the last month, just going around to training camps, unprompted, talking about some of the stuff the Titans did and some of the ideas they thought were worth stealing. And this group was young, they were ascending, and now you take out a pretty pivotal piece in who they wanted to be. And some of those looks they have where you don't know which four guys are coming, yeah. they don't blitz a ton, but they brought a ton, of, a ton of sim pressures. Having a guy like Landry that is capably a dropper, it, that's a huge part of it because it gives you flexibility. And now you take that piece out, and I think the defense looks a lot different. Rashad Weaver would be the next man up, I guess. Not as excited about Rashad Weaver. That's just me, though. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, Landry was so good last year. We were talking about this before, though. I am glad that he got that big contract uh, coming off of a career season, and especially, you know, on a day like today. Some of the guys that the Titans have paid, though, I mean, you look at the allocation of resources that they have. I think Rantano is the highest cap hit in the league among quarterbacks this year. Howard Landry is one of their highest paid players, and they've just spent a lot of money on guys who probably aren't good enough or aren't going to play this year. And even if we think Mike Vrabel is a pretty good head coach and what he steered them through last year is pretty impressive, at a certain point, they're going to need to do a lot of retooling as they move into the next phase of whatever this looks like. <sighs> bummer. What a bummer start. <laughs> great way to kick it off. All right. Let's start with the AFC North. Let's start with a team that is less injured now than they were a year ago, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. We are starting off all of these Especially with a, a mood check-in, a, a vibe check-in with how we're feeling about these teams. How are you feeling about the Ravens as well, we're about a week before the season kicking off here? You say that they're less injured, but news broke today that Poe, their mascot, tore his ACL. So I don't know <laughs> if you're just being disrespectful or not um, recognizing that major blow. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, That'll all can, be okay if Ben Solak eventually has to be Poe. Can I say something? I I, I promise we'll get to the serious football talk. When that injury happened, first the video drops of Poe being carted off the field, mask on, smile on his face, pro's pro. Then at halftime, uh, people are like, no, no, he's okay. He's back. Because Poe came back out to play with some kids. And when I was watching that, I was like, we don't know that that's Poe. <laughs> and I was right. Cold world, Ravens. Cold world. But, you know, next bird up. Um, I feel good about the Ravens. I feel good 
but I and I and I'm optimistic for all of the reasons that all of our nerd friends are optimistic about this team. First and foremost, being that they are going to be that they were you know, the most health the most injured team in the history of adjusted games loss and all of that. And I like a lot of the additions they made that we'll talk about. But uh, you know, I do have some apprehensive app- apprehension. Pardon me. Um, you know, really was hoping to see Ronnie Stanley back on the field by now. That is a concern I have ahead of the opener. There still are some question marks from an injury perspective. So. I, this is a team that I think might actually not be their best selves until at least a month into the season for a variety of reasons. But I think by the end of the season, they could and should look like true contenders. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think really the only thing hanging over them for me outside of stuff like the Stanley lingering injury, J.K. Dobbins, when is he going to be yeah. back? Is just this Lamar contract situation. Just yeah. what happens here? Does it get resolved before the season? Even if it doesn't, I feel like they'll eventually come to some sort of resolution. He'll either he'll get franchised and play that out, or they'll give him one after the season. I don't think there are many timelines where Lamar Jackson doesn't get paid a huge amount of money in the same ballpark that Russell Wilson just got. But it's still just a bit of weirdness with your franchise quarterback in a lame duck year, two years off an MVP award. We just don't see this very often, and I don't really know if there's anything there, but it's causing more alarm bells than quarterback team standoff typically would at this stage well it's certainly gonna make me nervous watching (laughs) and just watching through my hands over my eyes every time Lamar Jackson takes a hit this year but yeah it is weird you know everything about it is a little bit unusual he is representing himself so when we have things like the Russell Wilson data point and we go back to the Ravens say well now you have this contract as precedent we don't know if precedent even matters in this case to Lamar Jackson you know there are reports that he um, is looking at the Deshaun Watson contract, which increasingly looks like an aberration from a guaranteed money perspective. And to which I say, yeah, why wouldn't he? I mean, if his tolerance for risk is such that he's willing to play out his option, play out the tag, get into the Kirk Cousins Valhalla, then more power to him. But I think you're absolutely right that it does lend a little bit of weirdness to the season. Multiple guys not getting that Deshaun Watson contract since Watson signed it is definitely a strike against Lamar. You have Kyler getting the contract that he did, Russ getting the contract that he did. But having a high risk tolerance as a quarterback is worth it. We've seen this over and over and over again. Dak was playing on the tag, broke his leg, and then got the contract that he ultimately wanted. There are so few outcomes if you're a high-level quarterback that would prevent you from getting paid. We should learn more lessons from the way that Russell, or the, excuse me, that Kirk Cousins has handled this. Kirk Cousins got into that guaranteed money Valhalla that you're talking about. If he can do it, I think it's worth it for more guys to bet on themselves and just play this thing out. Yeah. Especially with, you know, Burrow and Herbert coming down the line at some point. I mean, it is about to pop off in a, a just an insane fashion. And with guys like Mahomes, Mahomes has said explicitly, he's like, I just didn't care. You know, it's $450 million. That's more money than I could ever dream about. I just don't care. If that's the way that you think about it and you're one of these guys, fine. But if you truly do want a fully guaranteed $250 million contract and you're Lamar Jackson, you can push this thing to the limit and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the fact that he is still on a relatively inexpensive deal, it is the option, it's not nothing, um, you know, did clear them clear the way for them to make some really fun additions this offseason. This is probably, like, when you think about it, again, from a monetary standpoint, this is their opportunity. And, Robert, like, I like most of the things they did. I don't know how you feel. I do. Let, let's talk about the offense first. What's the biggest question you have about their offense heading into the season? 
other than Stanley, that's a big one. Um, I guess the question of do they, one, can Rashad Bateman open up the offense in certain ways that I think uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, why do I say his name like that? Marquise Hollywood Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I'm an announcer or something. That Hollywood Brown couldn't, you know, will um, he, when defenses dare Lamar to throw outside the numbers to him when they've got him ISOed, can he be that guy? We obviously had a pretty limited sample size last year and he started the season with an injury. Everything you're hearing from the summer is great. I love him. So I think that's going to go a long way towards just determining how defenses can play them because we know how defenses want to play them, which is they want to take away the middle of the field. They want to take away the run. This is not a secret with this team. Um, They want to take away the seams. So I think uh, Baton's progression to me will probably have the biggest impact on what we see from Lamar. I'm curious how he fits into the broader scope of their offensive personnel 2019 and 2020 about 31 percent of their snaps came with multiple tight ends on the field last year that number was 23 percent and some of that's injury and some of that's necessity but now you're looking at the guys they have on this team and it truly seems like after the preseason some combination of mark andrews isaiah likely and rashad bateman is the best group of players that this team has i am i am all in i am drinking the likely kool-aid i am like I, you know, I, I am probably going to overdraft him in some leagues this year. I, I mean, I, I just whole. I mean, okay, I'm so glad we get to talk about him. You never want to overrate guys in the preseason, but you do your best to evaluate them as individual players based on what they show you, and you know, keeping the level of competition in mind. He did everything. Well, not blacking, but as a receiver, he is so complete, right? Like whether it's man zone whether he's getting separation or making contested catches what 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 a monster he is after the catch i was totally blown away but what i by what i saw from him and in terms of this offense and what they ask of their tight ends and what they're going to ask out of him there's no reason to me why he can't be productive early on i totally agree and i think they tried to expand things a little bit last year you look at it they were dead last by a mile in neutral situation pass rate in 2019 and 2020 by a mile Last year, they were 12th. It's a huge change. And I think they want it to be a little bit more than they had been in Lamar's first two years as a starter. And I wouldn't be surprised now if they tried to scale that back a little bit. Let's run the ball again. Let's line up in heavier personnel. Let's lean into what we were a couple years ago when we were one of the most devastating offenses in the league. I think that's totally fine because their personnel dictates it. And I do think that's where they're best. So if we get Likely and Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews and Patrick Ricard and an offensive line that is going to look vastly different this year, hopefully, than it did last season, then I think that there's reason to be really excited about where this group can take that. Are you curious to see uh, whether the run game looks different with Tyler Linderbaum? How they use him in Jason Kelsey-esque ways is definitely something that I would I be paying attention to. I that up to you over the net. I knew you, I just, you know, rough meatball over the plate, maybe not, not over the net. That's the better sports analogy. I mean, you think about where you can steal ideas. What the Eagles were doing last yeah. year, is they're one of the easiest teams to be like, okay, we can take that. We can pluck that. And Tyler Linderbaum allows you to unlock so much of that stuff. So I'm very excited to see what that group looks like. I have one more question about this passing offense in general. How are they going to stop teams from tormenting them when they get blitzed? They were really, really bad last year. 
Lamar yeah. was blitzed at the highest rate in the NFL last season. He was 28th of 31 quarterbacks in EPA per play on those dropbacks. He was the worst quarterback in the league last year when he was blitzed and teams were playing man coverage. And I don't know if they have an answer because they didn't all of last season. When teams played man against the Ravens last year, the stat is wild. They blitzed 63% of the time. No other team in the league was above 54%. The bit that, that gap between Lamar and Sam yeah. Darnold at two is as big as the gap between Lamar and Josh Allen, who was 12th. They were a total outlier. And they didn't have an answer when teams were doing that. So do they have an answer for that this year? Because the last couple of years before that, they were fine when teams pressured yes, them. Yes. So I don't know why this is such a what weird happened. situation and whether or not it's going to sustain into this season because it torpedoed them last season. And that's, that makes sense because if you don't blitz Lamar and you play like, man, good night, right? Exactly. You know, he's he's yep. going to punish you the second you turn your back on him. But um, yeah, to me, I, I'm really glad what you said at the end there, which was this was a one-year thing, right? Like this is not... That's what was so crazy about watching Lamar struggle against the Blitz last year. It was not like something he struggled with over the course of his NFL career. I think there's a few things that played into it. One was, you know, this is an offensive line that was extremely bad, bad battered, had a ton of turnover, trotted out a bunch of different groups. So I, it, it felt like, especially in the, well, throughout actually the entire season, there was just constant discomfort. Um, and, and, and really, it looked like Lamar had no faith in his protection. And I think that led him to make a lot of really bad decisions, whether that was, um, you know, panicking in the pocket, zeroing in on, you know, a triple covered Mark Andrews or ignoring some of his hots, like what you saw him do at times. There were there were points where he had whatever random running back they were playing that week, you know, open as an outlet and he just wouldn't go to him. And I think it's as much as as mental as it is about the personnel that they have, but I do think because they have improved personnel this year, he should be able to overcome the mental issues we saw last season. You'd hope so. It's just about having answers. Where are your eyes going? What is our plan for when teams start doing this against us? That Miami game, it wasn't just that Miami game. A lot of other teams were doing that exact thing to them when they would go empty and in those sort of situations, and they just didn't have a proper response. So do they have a proper response heading into this year is definitely something that is worth paying attention to. The other thing is, even without Stanley, I just think that the depth they have on the offensive line now compared to what they had a year ago, the fact that now Patrick McCarry might be their fourth tackle because they have Jawan James on this team, that sort of depth compared to what they were dealing with in 2021, I just think is worth remembering. They're in such a better situation at pretty much every single spot on the roster than they were last year. Oh my God. Just if they can snap the football, you know, I mean, just. That's why you got Tyler Linderbaum. That's why you drafted him that high. Pure snapping ability. (laughs) All right, let's get to the defense. Biggest question about the Ravens' defense heading into the season. Pass rush, right? Um, They have two edge rushers on the roster. I was just about to say, so um, actually this kind of plays off the Landry thing a bit. I was looking at what free agents are out there because I got to think the Ravens are going to add someone. Uh, JPP is still a free agent. Yep. I think he took his, a visit there this offseason, well, didn't he? his dollar figure just went up with both with this injury too. But um, yeah, they have, like you said, no depth. Um, it's a group that was not great last year that needs Odafa Ewe to make a leap. Who, you know, obviously he flashed last season as a rookie. You know, David Ojabu is not going to play for some time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not great, Robert. And I like the rest of that defensive line a ton, but... You know, if at edge, whew, that is that is it for me. 
I we talked about this with Deontay last week when we were doing the big questions facing defenses. But what does this group look like under Mike McDonald? Because last year, I think you saw them start to let off the gas a little bit with some of that Wink Martindale stuff. You know, they were forty one percent blitz rate on early downs in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, which was third in the NFL. That fell to tenth last year. They were tenth in man coverage rate last year on early downs. That was third in the NFL in the prior two years. So I think they're starting to trend in that direction. I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw fewer heavy boxes from them. They had the sixth heaviest average box in the league under Wink Martindale last year. I would think that creeps closer towards some of these Chargers, Rams, Packers, Giants types of numbers that we saw last season. Because I think they have the bodies on the interior to do that. They have Michael Pierce. They have Travis Jones. They got a, a lot of beef in that area. And so I assume they'll play more like that with the guys they have on the back end. They have a ton of flexibility. So I'm just curious how they ultimately create pass rush in those third down situations. When we get there, are they going to be super blitz happy because they have to be? But I think it's just a matter of getting to third down to make that happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like everyone else, I'm assuming we're going to see a lot more three safety looks with the drafting of Kyle Hamilton, who, you know, had had his ups and downs this summer, but um, was asked to do things he's not going to be asked to do early on in the regular season when he gets to play next to Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark, where suddenly, shoot, you might see him blitzing, Robert, to your question about the those third down pass, right? What, they, what they're able to do on third Absolutely. down. Um, but you're definitely going to see him in the box. And I think you're going to see him in the box at the expense of linebackers a fair amount. And I think because they do have that stoutness up front, I really like how Travis Jones looked when I got to see him play. Um, I think that they have the personnel to do exactly what you're describing. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, I, I, I am optimistic for sure just because of the talent they have and, of course, because of the corners coming back. But I am also, and to this goes to my point about a little bit of hesitation, they are coming off of injuries, both corners. And, you yeah. know, I, I do want to see how they look. I want to see how a lot of these guys – it is one of those positions. It is a premium position where, like Stanley – we are expecting them to come back and be as good as we know that they're capable of being when those two corners, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, can be the best cornerback duo in the NFL, but I just kind of want to see it first. Hopefully they have a lot of flexibility on the back end. Brand Stevens is a promising young player. They have Kyle Fuller in there now. They drafted Jalen Armour Davis in the fourth round. So a lot of bodies back there. I think as other teams are clamoring for starting caliber players in the secondary, the Ravens have a surplus of them, which that's a good place to be when you don't feel great about getting a pass rush without manufacturing it. They went into this offseason like, never again, never again are we going to be down to... Yeah, I was smiling when you read those um, the man coverage and bliss numbers because even that is insane with the cornerback group that they were trotting out. And that was when they were the pulling it back. That's when he was yeah. cranking it down. It's, it's amazing <laughs> what, what Mike Martindale was doing over those first couple of years. All right. What does a successful season look like for you for the Baltimore Ravens this year? I think it's got to be a deep playoff run. This is a team that is a perennial playoff team. Obviously, last year, even last year, when they were as injured as they were, they made it to the brink. Um, but I think with Jackson, you know, it, it's, it, it is at a point when this isn't a, a, a referendum on Lamar Jackson necessarily, but between him and the team that they've been able to build around him with his current contract, you do want to see them win multiple playoff games. Yeah, I think division win and a trip to the AFC championship game that that it's a high bar but I do think that that's where they're at as a team right now one guy on the Ravens that you're excited to watch this year 
Isaiah likely. <laughs> That's um, totally fine. It's a good answer. I, mean, I, I am I like over? I I mean, I'm coming off the Rams preseason where um, Lance McClutchin just rolls off my tongue. So I am no, I am guilty of overhyping uh, later round skill players. But I, that guy looked incredible to me. Just incredible. I. I'm excited to see what he looks like. I'm excited to him watch him and Rashad Bateman. I'm really looking forward to Kyle Hamilton, though. How yeah. he gets used, just the, the way that they deploy him and those other two guys. The scope and the structure of this defense is one of the things I'm most curious about heading into this season. When week one goes and we're sitting there and it's Wednesday after week one, it's time to dig into the tape. I think the Ravens defense will be one of the first three or four things I watch, independent of what the results are from week one. You're going to watch them versus Joe Flacco. You're really going to watch that game. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Joe Flacco revenge game. It's a big one. Man. Hmm. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get to the Cincinnati Bengals. How are you feeling about the Bengals right now? Um, I okay. I don't want to straw man the nerds because I did. I already, I've already dropped one nerds um, reference, but the Bengals hate has gotten a little, gotten a little, gone a little too far, in my opinion. Look, I I get it. I understand the case. I understand the fact that last year they what is it skied over their tips? Is that the expression? I'm really reaching for these sports. They were out over their skis. Out over their skis. That's 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 what it is. Um, I get that. They had the turnover luck go their way. They got to play the aforementioned Bad News Ravens secondary. They um I, they're recording one, you know, close games at the end, the field goals, all of it. I get that. However, there is no reason why this shouldn't be one of the five best offenses in the NFL. No reason to me. I guess you could say, you know, the offensive line Maybe they're not one of the best units in the league. But we saw them produce an extraordinary high level with a terrible offensive line. And this one should be at least average. I think that the combination of Joe Burrow on his rookie contract and two number one wide receivers also on rookie contracts is bonkers. It is what has allowed them to build that offensive line. And the idea that they are going to be even better this year, a season in which Joe Burrow is not coming off a horrible injury for the first half of the season and they're really not, you know, trusting him and they're running the ball too much in early downs, sign me up. So let's get to that offense because I think a big question is how much better the offensive line is actually going to be and what that unlocks for them. The numbers are atrocious. They were 31st in power success rate last year. On early downs, they were 30th in the league in yards before contact per rush. It was less than a yard 
So that's why, if you're wondering why their offensive or their running game was absolutely horrible to watch, that's probably why. They, I also think it impacted their ability to use play action. And so in some of those under center looks, they were going to run the ball. They were essentially 80% run under center last year. They 20% play action rate for Joe Burrow last season. That's in the Roethlisberger zone. It's not a place that you want to right. be. And, and, I, I feel and like, un- unlike him, he's probably willing to do it. So I don't think he was willing to do it last year because, oh, because I think he was injury. afraid of getting decapitated. Yeah. So I think <laughs> if they have a better offensive line this year, does yeah. it allow them to be less siloed on offense? Does it allow their run game to be better? Because here's my, you ask, why wouldn't they be a top five offense this year? And my answer is this. Teams are not going to give them the easy ones this season. It's just oh, not yeah. going to happen. And they're going to have to earn it in a way they didn't last year. They had 12 plays of 50-plus yards last year. 12. That's double what 27 teams in the league had. And here's why I love this team, or this offense, rather. They're going to face a ton of too high this season. Yes. They faced a fair amount at the end of last season as well, by the way. Correct. Like every other offense in the NFL, their efficiency went down. I think they have all of the change-ups they need to combat that and be efficient and they have a quarterback who is not only willing to work the intermediate parts of the field, loves throwing to the intermediate parts of the field. I think they've got a good tight end in Hayden Hurst who uh, has been underutilized, has really, really good hands. I think over an 80% catch rate. Looked it up this morning. Um, they have a running back in Joe Mixon. You talked about his yards before contact, which were at the bottom of the league. Yards after contact were about average, maybe. <laughs> like he, he Behind an offensive line that, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be one of the better groups in the unit, but Lyle Collins is a very good run blocking tackle. He is a very good fit for that wide zone run scheme that they want to run with Mixon, who is also very good for that scheme. And to top it all off, they have T. Higgins, who I think is the perfect wide receiver to play those looks because he has such a rare combination of size, hands, and shiftiness. I'm like such a T. Higgins stan, Robert, and I think having him underneath... While it, even if defenses take away Jamar Chase over the top, you will keep those chains moving. I see. I want to see what they do with Chase underneath. I want to see how many like make you earn it <laughs> touches he gets this season. Like little tiny like let let's throw a bubble to him. Let's throw a slant to him. Let's do all of these different things where we're manufacturing touches for him underneath because he's such a good player after the catch. We think of him as this deep burn you down outside the numbers option, but he was incredible last year with the ball in his hands. So how that looks, I'm really interested by. The only other element of it, and I think this is worth pointing out too, it's not just the too high stuff that changed over the second half of last season. Teams refused to blitz them anymore. They they absolutely refused. He was they were Joe Burrow was 14th in the league in blitz rate that he faced over the first half of last season. He averaged eleven yards per attempt on those plays. He was destroying teams. The second half of the season, it was 16% of his dropbacks. Only Mahomes was blitz less over the second half of the year, and they weren't nearly as effective in those moments. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too. I think in terms of single high looks and in terms of teams blitzing, they are not going to get the answers before plays are happening to the degree that they did last year. I have confidence in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and just the absurd amount of talent they have on that team to see this through. But I do think that defenses are going to take a vastly different approach over the course of this year than they did over all of last season. And to your point about the explosives, like as as accurate as Joe Burrow has been throwing deep um, and as as much of a weapon as Jamar Chase is, 
there is obviously volatility in that, you know, they were connecting on a lot of passes that probably aren't like, not just because of defensive looks, but just because of pure luck won't be there this season or won't go their way. Um, I just really like their versatility or the potential for versatility, which, um, you know, makes me confident in this team, despite all of the regression factors conspiring against them. Tyler Boyd is also a very good short to intermediate receiver. The oh, fact that he's just the third option on this team. Him. I was really surprised. I was looking up these numbers because I was wondering how often were they facing heavy boxes because they play an 11 at the second highest rate in the yeah. NFL. The Rams were the only team that was higher last year, but they only had the 10th most plays against five or six guys in the box on early downs. And that just didn't make a ton of sense to me. I just have to assume that that little ratio is going to be increased this year. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if that, you know, because they did run on early downs on such a high rate in the that first half of the season, it. I wonder, yeah, if defenses are responding to that. I think that makes total sense. Yeah. I think teams now are going to say, go ahead. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, Please. it doesn't matter that you're 80% run yeah. under center. We'll give you the four and a half yards. Jamar Chase is not scoring a 60-yard touchdown on us. All yeah. right, let's get to the defense. Biggest question about the Bengals defense heading into the year. <laughs> I would say trying to i mean this is hard i also yeah. had a difficult time well, it, here because they're really balanced right like they're this is they're not a and this is this was the case last year as well and it's a defense that looks pretty similar outside outside of you know daxton hill we can talk about but like that's really it though yeah it did there were good at every level i think so there's no disaster zones you could say eh, eli apple but he's really that's that's not a good answer i think um Maybe defensive tackle with Okunjobi gone. You're counting on uh, BJ Hill and DJ Reader, who were great, you know, in the playoffs. But yeah, it's. I guess it's kind of. Here's what I would say: rather than pointing to any particular group, it's more so. Okay, this is a group that of a lot of free agents who played at a really high level last year. Can they sustain that? Because it so rarely happens. That's exactly where I'm going. Mine is just: is the bet on continuity enough? Because they brought back every starter from last year, essentially. And they have really good players all over the place. And we saw what this defense could do in stretches, especially during the playoffs. I had a really good chat with, with a couple of people there when I visited during training camp. And I think that they just value smart veteran players because it allows them to be super flexible within even individual games. The fact that they can kind of tap into game plans, be like, all right, we're flipping this switch. And I think this year, they're confident that even if they don't even practice something, they'll be able to go to it mid-game because of how long this group is spent together. And I do think there's value in that. But continuity is great. This defense finished 19th in defensive DVOA yeah. over the course of the season. It's not like this was this top five world-wrecking group. I loved what Lou Anarumo did, and I really like a lot of the players on this team. But there's nothing different about it. Trey Flowers is going to have probably a bigger expanded role now that he's there from the start of the season. You have Daxton Hill coming in, and I do think they're going to use a lot of three safety looks. It gives them flexibility on the back end. I think he's going to start closer to the line of scrimmage when the season gets going and then eventually be able to kind of fill some different roles. Joseph Osai is now going to be their third edge rusher. He wasn't here last year. But this is a group on the edge. Trey Anderson had a great year. They finished 25th in pass rush win rate. Like, I just... It feels like there could be a, there could have been more reinforcements coming to make sure they staved off whatever lucky bounces they got late in the season last year. 
Yeah, no, they were like, the offensive line, man. We're all in but on that, the offensive that's line. That's what they did. They essentially looked yeah. at what happened last season and said, you know what? If we fix our offensive line and everything else stays the same, we can win a Super Bowl. And I, I, do, I think yeah. that's dangerous thinking. It's dangerous thinking. I do, however, like the approach of going with veterans. Well, Carnell Bolson is going to play guard and he's a rookie. Yes. Uh, instead of Jackson Carmen, which should be an upgrade. But going with veteran investment on the offensive line, trusted guys with a, something of a floor in free agency, and then saying, okay, we're going to spend our first draft pick on the fun, Nick, you know, jack-of-all-trades defensive back, which is very in vogue in the NFL, who looks fantastic in the preseason, who looked fantastic, pardon me, in the preseason, by the way. I cannot wait to watch him. Um, oh, my God. So <laughs> we had the rant, the Bengals for week three. So I watched the Bengals' first two games. And then, of course, he didn't play in week three. <laughs> but um, he was flying around. Just you, you mentioned him playing in the box, especially in the, at the beginning of the season. And I, he, he his run fits and like his tackling ability and the fact that he's got such a nose for the football, I think that's going to really show up at the beginning because he's not going to – it's not. It's he's a very dissimilar player from Kyle Hamilton because um, I do think he has a real potential to defend slot receivers as well. Uh, but I think early on the fact that he's going to be asked to play in such a limited role like Hamilton is going to serve him really well, and I think he could make a lot of splash plays that really get people's attention. He's a nice bit of depth, even if he's not going to be starting for them theoretically yeah. right away. But in the secondary, they had most of their guys for most of last season. Mike Hilton was the only guy who missed more than a couple games last year. If they lose anybody for any extended period of time, what does that secondary look like? And does that continuity matter and that flexibility that we talk about? I really like this group at full strength. I think it's very solid. I, I think that there aren't that many stars on this team, and it's important to remember that and not overrate some of the performances that we saw down the stretch. Against yeah. offenses that, I mean, think about the teams they played during the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill and that semi-broken Titans offense with Derrick Henry coming back from injury, a Raiders team that, I don't know, is fine. They got destroyed by the Chiefs in the first half of that game. They got burned down by the Chiefs for two quarters and then flipped the drop eight switch in the second half and managed to jump on them. But this isn't a group that was dominant down in and down out yeah. over the course of the season last year. And I think it's worth remembering. Yeah. I, and a lot of those, even Jesse Bates, who we think of as being a superstar, was not really a superstar last year until the end. And I, and, and I think, you know, he said that, well, actually, God, he said at the time, I don't think I'm, he's, I, I don't know if this was reported about him or if it's something he said, but that the contract issues were affecting him last season. Well, <laughs> we're right back there. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I hope things are okay. I um, And, you know, but... Yeah, it is it is this to me more than the offense like when we talk about like regression is what jumps out as a unit that will m maybe not look like they did at the very end of last season where Logan Wilson was suddenly like this incredible linebacker and um and and that pass rush did crazy things to Patrick Mahomes at the end there. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And so I do think this is a team where the offense needs to carry them, but to go back to what I said at the beginning, I do think they're capable of that. I agree with you. So what, if we're thinking about just the combination of stuff, what does a successful season look like for Cincinnati? I would say making it back to the playoffs. I know Bengals fans probably, you know, having just been to the Super Bowl, will say, well, that's clearly not enough. But I think given what we just talked about with the Ravens, some of the, you know, things that have gone, uh, that went their way last year, I think making it back to the playoffs would be a successful season. Yeah, I think double-digit wins is what I had and maybe a playoff win. 
I agree with you. I think the offense has you know, top five capability. And if they get there and then the defense settles at league average, you know, right around there. And I do like a lot of the players on this defense. And I, I want to keep making that clear before Bengals fans try to take my head off here after this podcast goes up. So if they're the 12th best defense in the league, or 14th, and this is a top five offense, that's a playoff team. And, and I think that's totally within the range of outcomes for this team and probably a semi-likely outcome. All right. One bangle you can't wait to watch this year. Ah, uh, T. Higgins. <laughs> I love T. Higgins. Um, Daxton Hill, just because he is the new shiny toy. And like Kyle Hamilton, I'm excited to see how he's used and what we saw in the preseason was so tantalizing. I agree. He's, he's the guy I also had I, in order to throw one more name out there. I'm just really excited for what Jamar Chase 2.0 looks like. You know, we saw some of that in the back half of last season. He was in the slot a little bit more, and they were using him in a more varied role as they kind of had to evolve during the back half of the year. But just what he looks like as teams are hell-bent on taking him away as a vertical option and what that means for the Bengals' offense, I am very excited to see how that experiment plays out. All right. Cleveland Browns. I, I don't even know how to answer or like ask or answer this question about how we're feeling about the Browns right now. Well, I mean, we want to talk about the first 11 games, the season as a whole. Uh, that's kind of the thing. Expert, I mean, yeah. The, what took us to this point? I mean, I don't know how I feel about the Browns. It's like, I guess on a football level, the conversation is, can Jacoby Brissett kind of be the yeah. steward for this offense for 11 games? Can they stay relevant long enough for watson to come back and for them to potentially take a step on offense is he going to be really good right away are they can they be competitive in the afc with watson from day one i i have so many questions and i just haven't spent a ton of time really digging into any of them because this team is still a bit weird to talk about well offensively i think regardless of whether it's watson or brissette kind of know what good brissette is at this point by the way it's like you know you know he's He's a game manager, you know, we'll see. Um, I guess I was surprised when I started thinking about teams ahead of season and looking at their depth charts, just how underwhelmed I was. I mean, I, I knew the wide receiver group wasn't good, but um, this isn't like, I think for a while with the Browns, the over the last few years, the talking point has been, this is, you walk right in dominant offense right if we had a quarterback who's better than baker mayfield or whoever coming into this offense with this dominant line dominant run game whatever they're going to be awesome but as i look at this group i don't feel that way anymore i mean where do you land there i think their offensive line is still pretty good i think losing nick harris before the year even started and the bet they made on him while moving on from jc treader that's tough now, Ethan Pochich steps in, steps in at center. It's not the offensive line it was even a month ago. So that's one question. I do still love the running backs. I think they'll be a good running game. I, I still think that they will. And the wide receivers are the question, right? I mean, it's can they get anything out of Donovan Peoples-Jones as the second outside option with Cooper and, and all of that? But I still feel pretty good about the majority of the supporting cast that they have, even if I don't feel as good as I did when the offensive line was at its best. I think my feeling about the offensive line, setting aside Ethan Postage, who I've watched a lot of this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got uh, a lot of experience. It, it, it was just that they've been so banged up, Robert. Like, yes, when they are all healthy, when, you know, from Wills through Conklin, when they are totally healthy, 
everyone there is healthy. Um, I feel good about them, even with the question mark at center. But, you know, this was a really injured group. Yeah. And the idea that this season they're going to be healthy throughout the season, I don't know. I just, I would be a little bit apprehensive about betting on that uh, or the depth behind them at this point. Yeah. They were banged up. And I think that's a totally fair concern and a fair criticism. Uh, In terms of what Brissett is going to give them and what the offense is going to look like, I just have to assume that it's just going to be all play action all the time, right? They're going to run the ball a ton. They're going to just put him in structure all the time. Last time he was a full-time starter, he had the seventh highest play action rate in the league when he was with the Colts in 2019. He finished 18th in EPA per drop back that year. Like He was just fine. And I think if he's just fine over the first 11 games of the season, that is a good outcome for the Browns. Yeah, I think um, <sighs> Jacoby Brissett, you know, I mean, since coming, he has played a lot of football at this point. He is, like I said, a capable game manager, capable backup, not going to really test defenses downfield. He's going to take a lot of sacks, which I don't love. Yeah. Um, you know, with the aforementioned questions on the offensive line, but yeah, I think, I guess if they had an elite defense, which we could talk about, I maybe would pencil them down to, I don't know if they would go 500 in those games, but win a fair amount of them. But um, that wide receiver group, man, it's not great. There's a lot to be desired. And we'll see what David Bell gives them early on. I think this team is going to live in 12 personnel for the most part with Bryant and Joku on the field. So I don't think they're going to need a ton of wide receivers. I think they'll be one of the heavier personnel teams in the league, but it's hard to get excited about that group. I Before we get to the defense, I, we, I haven't talked about Deshaun Watson like football-wise at all over the last however many months. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but I think it's probably worth mentioning in a season preview. When, they, when he does get in, I think the offense will look different than it did with Baker Mayfield in a couple ways. I think they're going to use a ton of empty when Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. eventually becomes their quarterback. The Texans use it at the highest rate in the league when Watson was there a couple years ago. He's very, very good at it. So I expect that to be yeah. a staple of who they are offensively. And I think we're going to see more RPOs with Watson than we did with Baker. I don't think Baker really liked doing it. I think they were a little bit apprehensive about it. The drop back game and the passing game are going to be more expansive with Deshaun Watson than they were with Baker Mayfield. I, I don't think that I'm saying anything revolutionary there. That's why they made the trade. Yeah. We haven't seen Deshaun Watson play football in a really long time. That is, that's a, that is another... That's a huge question. What is I mean, he even going to be when he starts to play? Setting aside the fact that I still have no fucking idea how I'm going to talk about him as a football player when, I, that, no when it's time to cross that bridge on TV and just all the feelings that go into it and just all of it. Um, yeah, I, I actually... He played a few snaps in the preseason, right? It was like week one before the suspension came down. Or was it week two? before? The, I think it was week one before the suspension came down. And, you know, you, there's, you don't want to take away much from just a few snaps. But I was like, damn. That, that's when it really hit me. Obviously, he looked rusty. But again, it's whatever. It's a few snaps in the preseason. But I was watching him and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to expect from this when it happens. Like, I really don't know. Like, we have we all assume, like, it's going to be exactly how it was. But... That's a long time away from the sport. So we'll see what it looks like. I think your points are correct about the style of play. I think everyone would probably expect that with him, given what we've seen from him, what we saw from him in Houston. But um, yeah, it's a it's a real wild card for me. It's a long way off. And we're going to have a long time between now and then before we have to start figuring out how we're going to talk about it. Let's get to the defense. Biggest question about the mm-hmm. Browns defense heading into the season. 
I would say the the defensive line, the interior, is the most glaring weakness uh, in this unit pretty clearly. Um, I don't know who's starting. Maybe you can tell me. Is it going to be Jordan Elliott? Is it going to be Taven Bryan? I truly Tommy don't know. Tommy Togiai? You should be able to run on this team. That's the problem. Me and Deontay talked about this last week. And to me, the question is, is the defensive line good enough for their secondary to matter? Because I really, really like the guys they have in the back seven. But if they never get to third down, then I'm not sure that the dime package they can throw at you on third and seven is going to be that important. Yeah. Well, and as much as I love Miles Garrett run defense, I mean, Damon Clowney is incredible in run defense. But yeah, I would... I would run on this team like a lot on early downs. I mean, I would, um, and, and I would do that obviously to negate the fact that Miles Garrett is one of the two best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and you know, this should, should still be a very, very good pass rush with him and Clowney. And I love, you know, um, joke Jeremiah Usukormoa and what he brings to the table. Uh, but again, run defense mm-hmm, some missed tackles there so <laughs> that just see I, I just feel like that that spine of this group in the middle is just or up front rather is just the glaring glaring area to go after this is a fascinating push and pull to me so you look at the teams that are built like the browns are defensively that can play mm. with two high safeties on early downs they play a lot of quarters and you live with a four-man front and the teams that are like that are the niners and the jets okay the Niners and the Jets have 10,000 defensive linemen combined on this, those two rosters. They have signed every single player they possibly could along their defensive front in order to bolster that group because they want to be able to play this way. And they know that to do that, you have to have like a pack of wolves at that spot. The Browns are such an analytically driven organization that they're looking at this and be like, well, defensive tackle is a position we can skimp on. Think about positional value. But if you want to play like this, it's hard to play like this if you don't have that group of guys up front. So it's just this weird contradiction that I feel like they're kind of running into here. Yeah. I don't want to compare them to the Chargers necessarily because I think that the rest of the team is better than the Chargers defense was last year. You know, um, Chargers, you only had Joey Bosa and opposite him. You didn't yeah. generate much in the way of, I mean, you know, yeah, Chen knows who is pretty good or whatever, but now they have... Look at you, know, you talking this, yourself this, into a Shannon Uosu. Listen, it's not comparable, of course, to Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, who, again, I should stress it, again, very good against the run. But, um, and then at the back, you know, I think I agree with you. I really like the secondary and the Chargers secondary last year absolutely had some holes. Uh, so it's not exactly the same. However, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some similar performances in run defense um, and yeah, to your point about them being like an ethically inclined team, it is a, an interesting uh, referendum, I guess, on team building when you do go all in on pass defense. You, you do make yourself vulnerable in this way. I, I wish, mm, I'm trying to think of like a, a defensive tackle that I think that they should have signed. Like who is there, Sebastian Joseph Day? I, I was know. surprised that they weren't in on Indomitian Sue. Just bringing in another body to yeah. kind of have in the mix there. So they're rolling with the the youth group, and that's and we'll see how that goes. I am very excited about what the secondary will look like, though. Yeah, I, I just think that collection of players, and also they have continuity on that side too, the same way that the yes. Bengals do. I mean, all of these guys are back, and they turned over so much of their defense last season. And I think some of the numbers, as you look at them over the course of twenty twenty one, they got much better 
during the second half of the year. And sometimes that's a mirage. I think with this group, the communication and some of the miscues that they had over the first half was a product of there being so many new pieces. So with all those guys coming back, talking to coaches there, it it just seems like they're so much more comfortable with one another where you're trusting, like, all right, if I let this guy go, I know that we're going to be able to handle this. I don't have to react to everything. It's just a level of comfort playing with one another that I think they've really developed over the last couple of years. I think you're going to see a better version of John Johnson. The secondary is still very, very young. I mean, a lot of these guys were drafted in the first couple, in the last couple of years. So I just think that group is going to be really, really good. I'm just concerned about the run defense. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I, John Johnson, like the, was so excellent with the Rams in the beginning of last year, watching him with, Cleveland, it was really confusing, honestly. Um, and of course, Troy Hill for Rams struggled as well with them. But as the season went on, you're absolutely right. They did look more comfortable playing in that defense. Um, and then, of course, they were really injured last year, too, with yeah. Newsom and Delpit and Williams. I mean, and that would be, I guess, my only concern about this defense is like, oh, there's a lot of guys who have battled injuries, um, including Denzel Ward, too. So I think, can they stay healthy? Although they do have nice depth, right? They've got Martin Emerson, who they love right now, their rookie cornerback, and he doesn't have to start right away, but if they have to call upon him at some point, he's an exciting young player. Um, I just, yeah, I, 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 I expect them to look better at the beginning of the season, certainly, than they did last year, but I also think they're going to be put in some pretty tricky spots. What does a successful season look like for the Browns? Selling the team, honestly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess success uh, I, for who is the question. I know, right? Um, well, I, I would say, you know, we'll just focus on the defense for a little bit. I would like to see, there's a lot of young players on that side of the ball. We talk about the secondary. If that that group looks like an elite group at the beginning of the year I, I, or over the course of the season, you know, I think as a Browns fan, you'd feel pretty happy about that. If Awuzakoromoa cleans up some of those missed tackles and develops into a more all-around linebacker, I love him as a player, but I think, you know, just just want that game to be a little bit more complete. Um, that would help as well. And then, you know, if one of those, I, I like Tommy Togia in college. Maybe he can be um, a solid defensive tackle for them. I think that would be helpful too. I wanted to be so excited about this defense. in Last year, at the end of last season, you look at this group and the way that they were playing and then they what they looked like on paper in early March. I was like, man, like that secondary and all the corners that they have, this group is going to be awesome. And it's just hard to get excited about this team at this point. So again, what success looks like, I think is, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I guess they hold on long enough and they're relevant at the end of the season. Uh, that That's probably what I would say. All right. Player on the Browns you're most excited to watch. Hmm. I love Jeremiah Osukorma. I feel like I've been like shitting, like being critical of him and his run defense and the tackling, but I think he's one of the most fun young defensive players in the NFL. I'm going with Greg Newsom. Again, I just think that the young core of defensive players in this team is awesome, and I am excited to watch them play football. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. 
however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, last one here. Pittsburgh Steelers. How are we feeling about the Steelers right now? I am actually very intrigued by this team. I don't know. I mean, my expectations for what we'll get to those, I guess, when you ask about what a successful season will be are tempered. But um, I'm not like sipping the quarterback Kool-Aid after the preseason. I'm not, you know, saying that this is it's going to be amazing at a position that I think people are pretty wary about. But I am more intrigued by them, especially by Kenny Pickett, than I expected to be headed into the offseason. And so I am excited to see how it plays out. I, I made this joke earlier today on Twitter. Every time I think about them, I think of the chunky sketch from I Think You Should Leave. Like, I just, I can't figure out what their deal is. I cannot <laughs> figure out what the Steelers' deal is. I, I think Kenny Pickett should just play. Like, looking at the way he was in the preseason, mm. and I know there aren't a lot of downfield throws in there, but I thought he did a good job of taking some one-on-one matchups on the outside when they were there. I thought he played on time. I thought he played in rhythm, which, after watching him in college, I didn't oh. think was a guarantee. Ball was coming out fast in the and preseason. I, he looked good. And my understanding of that quarterback situation there is it wasn't, oh, he's going to sit for the first eight games, or he's going to sit for the first four games. Yeah, That team is built on being competitive. And... I think they're going to put the best team on the field that they possibly can. And if they think Kenny Pickett puts the best team on the field for them, he should probably just be the quarterback. The case for, I guess, sitting him, maybe, aside from Mitch Trubisky having a decent preseason, you know, is that they want the offensive line to gel a bit. There's a lot of turnover on the interior. Tackle positions, not great. Not great, Robert. Um, so maybe there's some hope internally that what is very clearly the weakness of a team that has an awesome group of skill players will be less of a weakness by the time they're ready to start him. 
Um, because so let's otherwise, get to that. I, oh God, yeah. Because that was that was my biggest question about the offense. Other than who's playing quarterback, it's what is the offensive line? Mark Caboli, who covers the, the Steelers for us, this is what he wrote last week in his fifty-three man roster projection. The perfect scenario is finding a starting tackle on the free agent market this Tuesday. This Tuesday. That's not where you want to be in the last Wait. week of August as an NFL team. Did you say right tackle? Uh, just a starting tackle. Oh, tackle. They, uh, finding okay. a starting tackle on the free agent market after teams released their players. What the crazy part is like these were their tackles last year. They knew who they were. I don't, they I mean, had I, a long time to figure this out. I, that gets back to the chunky thing. They had all summer to figure out what they do. It's such a... Well, so... It, okay, so here's... I have an interesting question for you. An interesting... Well, I have a question for you that is interesting to me. Um, ben Roethlisberger last year in some ways helped his offensive line by getting the ball out lightning quick. Absurdly In some quick. ways, potentially made life difficult for them because no play action, none of the various, you know, Canada things that they want to do that might potentially help them. Do you think you've got two young quarterbacks now who even as, as, as quick as Kenny Pickett was to throw the ball in the preseason, he ain't going to throw it that fast in the regular season, I'm telling you right now, who are significantly more mobile than Roethlisberger and hopefully both more willing to test defenses downfield. Do you think that their mobility and the, I guess, versatility that they give to this offense and what Canada can do to try to alleviate some of that pressure, how do you view that stacking up versus the Ben Roethlisberger release and how much that helped the offensive line? Like, are they going to make this offensive line look worse or better than Ben did is what I'm asking. Worse. (laughs) <laughs> I, I absolutely think in the passing game, they will make him look worse. It's just a time to throw thing. I mean, yeah. he had the second most t- throws under two seconds in the NFL last year. I mean, and it's, it's some of these stats are absolutely ridiculous. He had the second number of throws, second highest number of throws under two seconds last year, the second highest off target rate on those throws, which is almost impossible to do. Like the fact that you're throwing the ball three yards and you have an insanely high off target rate on those plays. Ben Roethlisberger was really bad last year, but at least he was getting rid of the ball. I can't remember what the stat was. I was going to try to look it up, but I was getting distracted. We talked about it on our quarterbacks and new places show that I did with Nate a few weeks ago. I think his sack rate on play action was something like 16%. How much like play action? <laughs> every single time they did not get rid of the ball in like two seconds, he got sacked last year. So when their quarterbacks aren't getting rid of the ball in less than two seconds, I think they're going to get sacked this year. It's such a shame because these receivers slap. And when I was watching uh, Kenny Pickett in the preseason, there were a couple of plays where he targeted Deontay Johnson over the middle of the field, setting him up perfectly to get yards after the catch, which is, you know, Deontay Johnson's Deontay Johnson's probably bread and butter, is turning that seven-yard slant into 12 yards. I was watching that. I was like, oh, this could work. Like, this combination of, like, quarterback and their highest-paid wide receiver, like, it's a it's a really good blending of skill sets. Kenny Pickett throws a really catchable ball over the middle of the field, which is something we saw in college. But if he can't stay upright, we're not going to see those – Catch and runs. We're not going to see those George Pickens fades. We're not going to see Clay or Chase Claypool, you know, getting attacked by the football downfield somewhere. Like we're not going to see any of it because oh my god! And poor Najee Harris, poor Najee Harris, absolute hell, torture chamber. The, the run game stats last year are, are pretty brutal. They were one of four teams to average less than one yard per carry before contact in, in the NFL last year. They were twenty eighth in rushing success rate on early downs. 
Uh, Najee's looking at a similar situation this year, I think. The case for the team is that the quarterbacks, while they might not help the offensive line, they're not going to be worse than Ben, right? Probably not. I think the I only think so. area where they'll be worse than Ben is in mitigating pressure and yeah. in making the offensive line look okay in pass protection. And my concern here is that I think when Kenny Pickett has space to operate, he looks really good throwing the football in a Kirk Cousins-esque way where it's like, oh man, that looks good. He's accurate. He, he throws it. It's a really easy stroke. But when things start to crumble, what does it look like? And this yeah. is the sort of team where I think things are going to crumble. All of this being said, there's absolutely a world where they're better on offense last year than they were this year than they were last season. Like that's totally on the table. And I think if you're trying to build the optimistic case for the Steelers, you probably have to start there. Even with all of these concerns, there's still a chance that they're better than they were offensively last season. Just because they could do all the bells and whistles. That yes. quarterbacks are mobile, they can run play action, all of this motion and nonsense. Like motion and nonsense still might get them to the 24th best offense in the league. Oh, man. We make fun of... I feel like Matt Canada has become kind of like a meme on Twitter for his motion and nonsense, as you put it. Um, but he is going to have to lean all the way into his bag of tricks to make this this work with this line. Um, but, you know, now he has a quarterback that should make that a little bit easier. I, I do think I do think Kenny Pickett is probably the guy we should be seeing sooner rather than later. Problem is, have you looked at their schedule? There's not like a natural... Point. I was looking at it thinking like, okay, let me find like when it gets a little bit easier, but there's the way it's oriented, like, yeah, they get the Jets, but then they get the Bills right after them. Like, there's no real obvious easy spot for him. I do think at some point, probably early on, Mitch Trubisky's going to have a multi-interception game. The boos are going to come heavy. This is Kenny Pickett's town. And while I think, to your point, you know, Mike Tomlin will just do whatever it takes to win, I think first-round quarterback... We're going to see him probably before October. They play the Bills in week four. So yeah. that, that might be. Or they play the Browns in week three. And we just talked about how And they do it on a Thursday night. So they get a little mini buy after the Browns in week three. And we just talked about how much we like the Browns secondary. I'm not sure this offensive line is built to run on that Browns defensive line. So maybe there's your Mitch Trubisky yeah. multi-interception game. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the defense. Biggest question you have about the defense heading into this season. Um, I would say probably, so first I want to say, I think this defense is going to be better than they were last year, which is I, absolutely not everyone seems to agree with that opinion, but like, they were, I just, they were pretty it, hurt last year. They're 23rd adjusted games lost. The run defense was really bad. I, I think they'll be better this year. They've also never been bad for more than one year. Like this is they not were top five is, defense in 2019 yes, and like 2020. Every, do I think they're going to be, you know, as great as they were during, you know, Blitzburg or whatever? No. But are they going to give up like 5,000 yards on the ground to Dalvin Cook or whatever? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think this, there, there's some interesting improvements too throughout Miles Jag, bringing the aforementioned Larry Okajobi. I, I think I would say, is the pass rush, which was outrageous, you, you got two outrageous years out of Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Can they repeat to the point where any issues in the secondary, and I do think there are still some issues, are going to be mitigated? Um, it's a decent corner room with 
I think Wallace that they can piece it together. I, I don't. There's yeah. no stars there, but Cam Sutton is a solid player. When they're in two cornerback looks, I think it'll be him and Weatherspoon on the outside. Weatherspoon was pretty good last year. So you get those two, and then Levi Wallace will come in, and, and Sutton will bump mm-hmm. inside. And I think that group is fine. It's fine. You know, I, I think that's fine. Losing Demonte Casey is kind of a bummer. So I that's feel like Demonte Casey was going to give them a chance to really let Minka do some fun stuff and have Casey and Edmonds play as their two safeties and lean into some more three safety looks. They don't really have that flexibility anymore. But I agree. I mean, I think that Miles Jack is an upgrade over Joe Schobert and what he was for them last year. It. I, my question is this. How high is the ceiling for this defense? Because I think the floor is pretty high. So how high is the ceiling? And I think that ultimately is determined by how far can your stars bring you? How far can they carry you? Yes. And can Cam Hayward and TJ Watt be truly dominant, all pro level players that we expect them to be? Again. As Cam Hayward gets in. Exactly. As Cam Hayward gets into, he's like my age. I mean, if he can continue doing this, I, I would be very impressed. Can Minka Fitzpatrick be a superstar uh, on the level that they paid him to be this year. I, I think that at the very worst, if they stay relatively healthy, this is the 12th best defense in the league. They finished Agreed. 14th. Pretty sure they finished 14th in defensive DVOA last season when they were as banged up as they were. Well, I mean, you know, like TJ Watt, like almost broke the sack record. I mean, it, it, I think your point is right. Like, can the stars continue to play like not just stars, but superstars? Um, because the rest of the group is ranging from average to slightly above average. Um, and you are coming off a year in which those several of those super, superstars put up just outrageous performances. The thing about Cam Hayward that's always kind of crazy to me is like, you know, he didn't really play a lot at the beginning of his career. So yeah. it's it's such a fascinating career path. Um, so, but, you know, you get finally, you know, you get Tyson Alualu back healthy after missing last season. Like I said, He's open huge. Joby. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, I mean, Alou is so important because they last year they were 24th in the league in early down rushing success. They were mm-hmm. second in 2020 and they were top 10 in 18 and 19. So getting Alou back, I think, is a really underrated piece. And, and the Okanjobi thing is interesting because schematically, at first glance, he doesn't really fit like an odd front team just because we think of him as this penetrating three technique and a four three. But what to it did for them? was a lot of freelancing and it was a lot of splash plays. And mm. that's kind of what Larry Ogunjobi is. Yes. So I can understand him as a replacement is, for two it, even if it's a slight step down. This is why like stats always hate Larry Ogunjobi and like the BFF grade. I feel like he always has like terrible grades and stuff because you're right. Like that is, I think um, he has like high highs and low lows, but um, I think that those additions up front coupled with my, I, the Miles Jack edition, like it, it, it feels weird to be saying this in 2022, but like that is massive for a linebacker group that was just atrocious against the run last year. Um, so I think just those small tweaks in this defense will probably go a long way towards bringing it to what you said, which is like maybe about 12. All right. What does a successful season look like for the Steelers this year? I think making the playoffs. That's what and I have I say, too. I, it's so stupid. Like I it say sounds that, so it, dumb when you say it, and I, but the, that's exactly what I had. They're the freaking Steelers. I'm not gonna. I, I mean, here's the thing: if you really like, just take the thirty thousand foot view of what we just said. Quarterback position should probably be better. Outrageous group of skill players. The defense should probably be better. This is a team that was in the playoffs last year. I know we have collectively like memory hold that game and everything that happened at the end of Ben Roethlisberger's career, but like 
they should be better than last year. And last year they were in the playoffs. So why? I I, I think there's a case for them against making it back to the playoffs, which is the fact, you know, the Ravens being so much healthier and better. But they, if you're asking me, like, what is a successful season for them? It's absolutely getting back. I went there and I can't remember which days I was there. I was there for a day in the middle of August. And I told the story, I think the day after I was there, it was on the quarterbacks in new places, but I did with Nate, but I think it's worth telling it to. There were two things that jumped out to me when I was there. One, they had Mike Fitzpatrick cover George Pickens for like 10 straight snaps and one-on-ones. And Mike Tomlin said after practice that they built that into practice for him to do that, for him to get those reps against Pickens. Pickens have been a monster all of camp. And he kind of said it in like a winking way. It's just like, yeah, we we make our guys do this shit. Like, this is how they get juiced during practice. And then when they did team at the end, Cam Hayward, I can't remember, it was Cam Hayward and somebody else on the defensive side. And then it was Deontay Johnson on the offensive side. And Deontay Johnson was just barking across the field at Cam Hayward, essentially daring them to get out of those too high looks. It's like, you guys are scared. Like, stop playing that too high shit. Like, you guys are afraid of us. This is just like a random camp practice in August. And they're just going at it until the end of practice. Also, I did not, we talk about all these ways for offenses to force defenses out of those two high shells. Calling their manhood into question is a very, <laughs> very good strategy. And I think Deontay Johnson is onto something. But watching that dynamic at practice that entire day, I, I left there and I was like, I just get it. Like, I just get why this team is relevant every week. I get why they're hard out every single week. Like, what they foster in that building yeah. is so, so impressive, even if there are tons of missteps in the team building part of this. Like, I don't love areas of the roster. I think they have bungled what they've done along the offensive line. They had to panic trade for Jesse Davis this week. Like, this is not a good situation, but I still have a ton of faith in Mike Tomlin to see them through it. They trade for Jesse Davis? Like a, they did. a real they draft did. pick? They, they, I don't know exactly how real of a draft pick it was, but they traded for Jesse Davis. <sighs> Yeah, that's where we're at. That's, that's where like we're I at, said, yeah. finding a starting tackle in free agency on the Tuesday after waivers. So this is where we are with the Steelers, and I still think they could make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, it makes sense. That is the story of the Mike Tomlin era. I feel yeah. like. All right, one guy you can't wait to watch in the Steelers this year. It's the easy answer, but George Pickens. I mean, I, it was in the Seahawks game week one when he had that uh, that contested catch in the end zone with the. The body control on display. I can't remember which who was playing cornerback for the Seahawks, but I just was watching that and just went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> how the, they can't keep getting away with this. Um, and I just think this group of wide receivers is just so talented, and you know, if if we can get them to football, it should be fun to watch them go to work. I understand why teams passed on George Pickens if they had concerns about him. You know, I just all right, we want to. We're at this stage of our team building process and we don't we haven't built anything and da, da da da. It's the benefit of being a team like the Steelers, where it's built. You can take chances on guys, you can bring in whoever because you have total trust in the culture to kind of take care of everything. And then you watch him on the field and he just plays differently. Like it, watching him move and how smooth he is with the body that he has. I mean, it's just one of those guys instantly when you watch him in practice, you get it. I am very, very excited to watch him play football. Prayers up. For Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> uh, you know, they get on one hand they get George Pickens from the beginning. On the other hand, Dan Moore is the left tackle for this team. 
So that's that's where we're at with the Steelers offense right now. With Matt Canada running the show. What a weird fucking team this is. Just a weird ass team that I don't know. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by. We'll see what happens. Mina Kimes, really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know you got like 10 million things going on. No, thanks for having me. This is gonna be a fun division. It's fun to talk about. Mina, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh just my own show, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny and we have some news on that front coming soon, I think after this show comes out, but it is very exciting news. Awesome. All right, guys, that's all we got for today. We'll be back on Monday doing the AFC South with our friend Derek Klassen. Very excited about that conversation. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. The Athletic Football Show YouTube channel. We're going to be doing a ton more YouTube stuff this year. There's a link in the show description below where you can subscribe. One more thing. We are going to be doing a picks contest this year on the show. Five games against the spread every week. Me and Nate are going to talk about it every week and how terrible we're doing. We're going to talk about how well some of you guys are doing. There are prizes involved. We are very excited about this. There's also a link to the Run Your Pool pool in the description go click on it go join the league it's going to be really fun i highly encourage you guys to get involved we're going to be back on monday i appreciate you guys listening talk to you soon this was the athletic football show